Yeah, I found so this at Bookman's recently. Yeah. I need, oh, this is different? Yeah, that's a different edition. Oh, these are not orange. I'll tell you what, just give me the, I'll just, give me that, and I'll tell you if it's actually the Macmillan Gita. That's the Gita I have right Well, it says BBT, so maybe this is... I mean, that's the Gita I read from you, but I, I got this orange book just to... Just to, to appease me, right? All right. I usually do add the one with that cover. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to make sure... Uh, okay, I know what this is. Okay, this is the BBT printing of the, of the old Macmillan Gita. So you do need to get an orange Gita. I mean, you don't have to get those. Huh? I have one of those two. A hardback or a softback? Okay, I mean, it's hardback is the best. So what's the difference between that and this one? This one? Yeah. Well, that's another discussion, but <laughs> it's it's Macmillan's uh, printing of Prabhupada's complete Gita manuscript. So there's tons of mistakes. Look at 1844. Are you got it? Are you right? Instead of cow protection, it says cattle raising. Because mm -hmm. I agree with the editor. Put it in there. Anyway, that's just one of many. Yeah. Right, maybe not, maybe I don't have that exact like the Gita that I have that I've been reading for, for years. Blue. It's not exactly that one. It's, it has that cover, but it's not. It's different though. It doesn't have that same. Word. Get an orange Gita. Oh, you don't have it. I have an orange Gita right here. Okay, great. But this is what I took with me to the temple because I just I left my one at home for. Okay, maybe want to get there. Okay, so. I got, I got this one. What's that? What printing is that? I can go um, to the book room. And they use this for Bhakti Shastri and Mayapur. Okay, it's probably okay. Okay, yeah. okay. so it's, it's we all know room what room. it is. Hmm? Shall we go and get it? Where is it? you know where it is? It's in my room. Alright, real quick. Okay, questions? What's the difference between the soft cover and the hard cover? It's just pagination because in the soft, oh. this, this soft Gita, okay, the soft Gita was specifically printed at the request of the book distributors because it's easy to carry. Mm -hmm. It's easier for people to take that book. It's really simple for somebody to put it in their bag. That was the first Gita I ever got was a soft cover orange. Gita. Yeah, so therefore the pagination is different. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, look at, is there Sanskrit? Yes. Oh, actually, there is, but it's in the, it's in the English transliteration. That's okay. Oh, it doesn't have the Sanskrit. doesn't have the Devanagari script, but that's all right. You don't need Devanagari. There's no, there's no Sanskrit. So, okay. I'll get a bigger one anyway. Yeah, I recommend you get, that's another reason, because, and of course, it's just going to be easier to use. You know, it's easy to open up fly. Okay. And you need one, Michelle? A hard cover? I can open it with the book room. Right after and get you one. Okay, if there's time, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. You mean the book room and the back property? He said after. Yeah, but those are what we sell. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'd be fine, but if you wouldn't mind. But you want to buy it? For the, yeah, we'll charge of it five bucks. Well, easy, cost. Well, she's giving me one. I mean, she told me to just give them out before. So I just. I mean, oh, I book room. Sandamani said. Yeah. I've gotten one before, but you can buy it for five bucks or whatever. Cheetah Boss. Maybe I just got the one time thing, I don't know. But 
Okay. So yeah, we're all gonna get the hard bang, hard bound orange pages. Good. We got. And then, um, let's see. Let's look in the back of Borijan Prabhu's study guide at the appendices or appendices. Appendixes or appendices. Alright, good. So you got yourself uh, we're gonna get you a hard one. But that's alright for now. So everybody get your get your Borijan study guide and turn to page three sixty seven. I have the old Appendix 1 is Srila Prabhupada's comments. Is that one? Yes. Okay. Well, I better just identify it by the heading. It's Appendix 1. Srila Prabhupada's comments and the Bhagavad Gita's chapters. Okay. 367 for me is just in the middle of the chapter. All right. Then go to the... This one says a yoga ladder ascending step yeah. step towards Appendix 1. Are you talking about this or is it something else? Oh, my God. It's even got differently arranged. Looking for Srila Prabhupada's comments on the Bhagavad Gita chapter. What edition? Appendix 1 is 355. On our, this one that uh, okay. Suresh wrote about. Okay. No, but this that's is not the one he's talking about. So we need 373, Appendix 3. Srila Prabhupada's comments on the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, Try right page 383. It says right at the beginning of ours, uh, at the beginning of ours the, in the intro material that he, that there's oh, the no, two no. editions, and the new edition had these editions, and a different, had an added appendix. 381. Okay, this is just one of the append appendices, and uh, it's oh, okay. Prabhupada's comments on, on the chapters. All right, so there's only one comment. You got it? 373. You want Appendix 3, Srila Prabhupada's comments on the Bhagavad Gita, correct? Yep. Okay. 373. Yeah, it's different editions of this even, so sorry. Yeah, no worries. You, you have an extra one? It says revised yeah. appendix and index on the back here, revised. So maybe it's just the appendix. We got a study guide as an appendix. So they, 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 if you read the intro, it talks about the intro of this particular copy, it talks about how the second edition, the 2017 edition, had an added appendix, it had a few different things, okay. as well as some oh. editing, there were some editorial things that happened too, where he changed, he actually revised certain stuff, so. Okay, well that's going to be interesting. I think hers is updated, it was 2017, mine is okay. 97. Yeah, I got 97 also. So you guys got the old one, and you got the new one. Anyway, <laughs> these, are, these are rare books, <laughs> these are going out of print. Okay, so um, this is just a comment Prabhupada made about chapter 1, and it appears in the purport to 9.1. The very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, the first chapter, is more or less an introduction to the rest of the book. So that's just, you see, as we go through the chapters, it's nice to read what Prabhupada said about the chapter. And then, just turn a few pages, and... I want, I want the, the appendix that's headed Srila Prabhupada's comments on the three divisions of the Bhagavad Gita. That's page 381 for the new 2017 edition. Or 375. Yes. Okay, you got it? Yep. Okay. So, and then look, in my book there's a misprint. 
it says A, instead of ABC, it says AAB. You folks have Oh, A yes. Two yeah. A's, right. <laughs> okay, so let's go around the room. Donna Kaylee, can you read the, the A? Yes, sir. In the first six chapters of Bhagavad Gita, the living entity has been described as a non-material spirit soul capable of elevating himself to self-realization by different types of yoga. Yogas. Yogas. Right. Yeah, so this, this is, we're going to get into this, the yoga ladder. All right, Anna, can you read B? In the first six chapters of Bhagavad Gita, the knower of the body, the living entity, and the position by which he can understand the Supreme Lord are described 13, 1, 2, 3. Yeah, okay. That's... We just have 13 too. And Chris, can you read C? In the first six chapters, in the first six chapters, stress was given to devotional service. Yoginam Maki Saravasyam. Of all yogis or transcendentalists, one who always thinks of me within himself is the best. Okay. So that's the Prabhupada himself commenting on the, the divisions of the Bhagavad Gita. That's just for the first six chapters. Okay, so I'm just showing you these different appendices because before you do homework or before we launch into a chapter, it's nice just to see what Prabhupada said. And there is one particular appendix that we're always going to be looking at. And here, appendix, it's called A Summary of the Bhagavad Gita. And... Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. So this ABC that we just read, yeah. this is comments on the first six chapters. Yeah. A, B, and C. Yeah. Okay. You just don't have the A, B, and C in our book. It's just paragraphs. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to make sure it was correct because it's describing only the first six chapters. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then do you have an appendix called the summary of the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, 385. Okay. For our copy. Okay. And this must not be Prabhupada's words. It must be Borjan <coughs> uh, just summarizing the flow of the Gita. So let's just look at... The first paragraph. Michelle, can you read the... The Bhagavad Gita opens with blind king Dredas... Don't tell me. Dretarastra. Requesting his secretary, Sanjaya, to narrate the battle between his sons, the Kauravas, and their cousins, the Pandavas. Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, out of affection for his devotee, the Pandava prince Arjun, has agreed to drive his chariot. As Arjun takes up his bow and prepares to fight... He sees the sons of Dhritarashtra drawn in military array and requests infallible Krishna to draw his chariot between the two fighting forces. There, in the midst of both armies, Arjun's mind reels as he foresees the imminent death of his teacher, relatives, and friends. He throws down his bow and arrows and decides not to fight. Okay, good. So in that first paragraph, we see the two sections of the first chapter. The first 27 verses... It's all about just setting the scene. Mm -hmm. And it's Krishna's genius that he, he just um, brings two armies together. And then before the battle, he sings his Gita. When everybody's, he's got everybody's attention, namely us. The real, you know, it's for our benefit. And um, because uh, it's, it's a big, it's a climax of the Mahabharata. It's the, the Mahabharata is the history of greater India, Mahabharat. And so it all culminates in this war between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And Arjuna has to, Krishna has to convince Arjuna to do his duty. Because in a larger sense, we're all on the battlefield of life. 
we all have our Kurukshetras, we all have our challenges, and Krishna is in our hearts. He's driving our, he's guiding our chariot, and we're in the chariot, and we can either listen to him, or we can act whimsically. You know, it's, it's, it's literally, it, historically it happened, the Kurukshetra war, but metaphorically it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor for everyone's life too. Okay. So let's look at the last appendix in my book anyway. It says outline of the Bhagavad Gita, and this is the appendix we're always going to be referring to. 395 for us, appendix 6. And 389 for yeah. Donna <coughs> You guys are five pages behind. Okay. Alright, Lavanga, can you read the outline for chapter 1? Introduction. Both armies have lined up on the battlefield and are preparing to fight. Okay, and this is where you get the dramatis persona, you get the cast of characters through those, those verses. And then Arjun sees them and he says, um, can you draw my chariot so I can get a good look? And therefore, and Krishna, when he does that, he's smiling because he knows, uh-huh, why does he want to get a good look? He knows who it is. But he's stalling because he's starting to have getting cold feet. <laughs> There's Bishma and Trona, I can't kill them. My gurus. Okay, so text one through twenty-seven, that's setting the scene. And then Panga. Um you want to read part B too? Yeah. Okay. The Arjuna's doubts. Arjuna explains his reasons for wishing not to fight. All of them except one. At the beginning of chapter 2, he gives one more. So, before we launch into a chapter, always look at this, at these outlines. Because what this um, Surrender Unto Me book does, it makes the connections between different divisions of the Gita, and then different chapters of the Gita, and then within the chapters, different sections. So if we study it like that, it makes really more sense. And then even within verses, different acharyas, uh, along with Prabhupada, they tell what's going on even between the lines. What, what Krishna and Arjuna are thinking in between the verses. This is Vishwanath and Baladev. So it really enriches our appreciation for Gita as it is. Okay, so, so what I want to do today, until we end, is, because I gave you homework to read the front matter for the study guide, and the front, and the introduction to the Gita. So I'd like to ask you what stood out for you, just to see. What stood out for me and is still standing out for me is um, Larry John's early captivation with the Gita and how many years he stayed studying it and that he was instrumental in founding um, the Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education based on his knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got to know Gorijan Prabhu at Gita Nagari. We're just... Oh, by the way, we're not going to be attached to how much ground we cover. Oh, good. How many verses we covered? You know, we're just going to be trying to develop our love and appreciation for the Gita. However, that that's forever. That takes years. But before you go, I want to say something about. I want to make a comment on 
Donna Kaylee said, I got to know Borijan Prabhu in, Geet, in Gita Nagari, where he was the headmaster of our Gurukula. Excuse me, I, is, is that what his profession was when he graduated from college, a professor? No, he graduated um, SUNY Buffalo, State University of New York, Buffalo, and um, I think it was just English. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at, at Buffalo, in the late 60s, there was a devotee teaching Agri and his amazing wife, Jagatarini. And then things changed in Kitanagri and he had to leave because he had one vision of teaching and then but the local management had another. So he, it was Krishna's arrangement because Krishna took him all the way to Vrindavan from, from Juniata County, Pennsylvania to Vrindavan. And that's where he was allowed to do his... He kept studying the Gita. And he was teaching, and he was allowed to be politically engaged. Um, and, then, and then he came to Gita Nagari when I was there in the 80s, and he said, Sureshra, uh, come, to, come to Vrindavan this year, 1987. We're starting, I'm starting a VI, a Vrindavan Institute for Higher Education, and you can come and you can teach the Gita. Well, that didn't happen, but I did go. And... Uh, I took Clear Thinking and Strong Speaking by Jai Dwada Maharaj <coughs> and Vaishnav Etiquette by the late great Bhakti Swami. And it was great. It was the first attempt at higher education for adults in this kind, and it just took off like wildfire. wildfire. And so he's, you know, as we speak, he's, he's still writing study guides for Bhagavatam, uh, the 10th Cano and also for CC, which is, gonna, which is the, if you want to get a proper list of all the degrees to get according to the books. And when you've studied all the books plus CC, then, then you have Bhakti Sarvabhoma degree, which is equivalent to PhD. <laughs> so Burijan is one of our premier teachers. He's one of the best, if not the best, educator we have in this time. I mean, we have some really good ones, like Urumila. You know, she has a PhD in educational philosophy. But uh, yeah, there are some amazing educators in our movement. But this came out in 97, and I still haven't run into a study guide that, that's better than this. Because the way he's done it, you know, he, he captures the flow, and he makes all the connections. So it really enhances our appreciation uh, for Shiva Prabhupada. And he's used... Uh, commentaries of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and Baladeva Dibhushan. So he's woven those commentaries into his uh, comments. So the main body of the book is, if you go to, well, it's page one in my book, after all the front matter and the introduction, <coughs> observing the armies in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, right, just like in Prabhupada Gita. So I don't know if it's on your page one or Yes. Yeah? Okay. So then it's what you see here is Borijan's commentary, which has combined Prabhupada's, the essence of Prabhupada's purport to the verse, and Valadeva and Vishwanath, and his own uh, realizations. So it's really, 
It's really fresh and faithful to Prabhupada's Gita. So, okay, so that was what stood out for you. And yeah, I'm glad you took note of Gorijan Prabhu. I met him when I took those winter retreats from VIHE. Oh, wow, in Govardhan. Yeah. You were in a Govardhan retreat? I was in the Govardhan retreat with wow. him, and I was in a Haryana retreat. That was the first section of that. Yeah. Was Satyananda's one? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then he came out of Ananda Das. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was pretty first. incredible. Yeah, you were in some high-powered company. I really was. <laughs> with a couple hundred Russians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? you want to say anything about the front row? Sure. I guess for me, um, in the very beginning of the preface, the Gandhas Prabhu mentions how he's the kind of person that he needs to know how everything works. Hmm. And I'm very much that kind of person, so I'm really interested and in looking forward to finding the connections. Because I think it took me such a long time to read Bhagavad Gita that, you know, by the time I was at the end, I had forgotten what I had read in the yeah. beginning, and I, I failed to see how it all comes together yes. and it's connected, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's how Gurujan describes. He, wasn't, he read the McMillan Gita. The first Gita that came out, it was a heavily abridged edition, you know, one-third the size of Prabhupada's manuscript. And he, he loved it, but he, he wanted to know more. How this, how does this relate to this and that? You know, it's like a very analytical brain. Yeah, you're like this. Um, well, I just wanted to say first off that, you know, I read the Gita years ago, you know, kind of been, been toying with the Gita for a few years now. When I went back and read the introduction to the actual Gita as it is, wow. Just like, wow, because that was so much, like, just a whole new light. Wow. And then, you know, reading the introduction to this, for me, what stood out, I mean, all this stuff that stood out was, I guess, kind well, of... Either there or there. ...different was that, I mean, I just appreciated how he, how he glorified Prabhupada's Gita and how he explained his purpose in doing this, not to, you know to like be a new Prabhupada yeah. to enhance Prabhupada's Gita and how he explained that, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying this morning, like Prabhupada had a certain view or he would, in some verses he would say one thing and then in another verse he would say something else. He gave the example like one verse he said Arjuna is doing this out of compassion because right. he's a devotee and then like a few verses later he's saying he's doing this because he's uh, materially affected, you know yeah. what I mean? But it was, he was explaining that Prabhupada, you know, was just delivering exactly what we need to hear in that purport. Mm -hmm. I just, I like those comments, and I appreciated how, like, he was explaining how the different acharyas have different, and there are some differences and some, uh, uh, some changes that, or not differences, but some, some differences between the way, you know, each acharya commented on the yeah. idea, like, what they would focus on, right. but uh, and he, he all closed that whole area in, together with Prabhupada saying that the goal of all religion, religious studies to understand God, so like it, it was working, his conclusion was that Prabhupada was working off the, the basis of wanting you to understand Krishna. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really clear way of uh, defining what the goal of the Bhagavad Gita is and what Prabhupada's main mission in delivering the Bhagavad Gita to us was, is that he wanted us to understand Krishna. So everything he says is perfectly designed to make us understand Krishna. Yes, very good. Yeah, and that's why some scholars don't like Prabhupada's commentary, because where a verse is not explicitly directing the reader toward Krishna, Prabhupada directs the reader toward Krishna in his purpose. But that's actually 
perfectly okay because right in the 15th chapter of the Gita, Krishna says, Vedanta Krit, Veda Veda, I'm the compiler of the Vedanta, I know the Vedas, I'm the goal of the Vedas, by all the Vedas am I to be known. So uh, that's the whole point. Whereas all other Gita commentaries, if they're not done by devotees, are directing people away from Krishna. They're just making, they're just imagining something that Gita means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, it's like... It's all about Krishna. So many times in Gita, the Gitas are, they come up in a personal basis. Like, yes. It's, I don't know how you can actually, like, I guess it's just the grace of having Prabhupada Gita, because, you know, once you read it, you can't go back and unread it. But, like, it, it, it totally makes sense. It couldn't make sense otherwise. That's right. That's the point. The Gita always, it's, it makes perfect sense if you accept Krishna supreme and the purpose is to surrender. And as soon as you don't accept that, then everything it's mysterious. Mysterious because we're obscuring it by our non-surrender desires. Yeah. Okay, Michelle, anything? Um, I think what stands out for me is just a sense of reassurance that I'm going to be able to start making connections in the Bhagavad Gita rather than just being this beautiful and but also overwhelming epic. I mean, just reading the introduction, it's as Chris said, wow, you know. Um, so I feel most comfortable when I can link things together and, and really under have kind of a scaffold to mm -hmm. um, and a structure to to have, develop kind of a sense of things and also an intelligence about things. So I'm, I have a, a sense of reassurance that this study guide is going to help me to do that. Mm. Good. Uh, kind of sort of like Chris, you know, it's been a while since I read the introduction to the Gita, although I. I've read the chapters, you know, many times, but I've never actually gone back and read the reread the introduction. I'm gonna kind of skip that, and just reading it again, I was appreciating how Prabhupada first he explained his like reason as to why he was giving a translation of Bhagavad Gita, and then also not only does he do that, but he says, you know, like, well, to really understand understand this properly, you at least have to theoretically or have, you know, be kind of open-minded to think, okay, well, Krishna could be the supreme personality of Godhead. Yeah, I love that line. So he tells you then how, like, if you really want to understand this, this is the mentality that you've got to approach it with. And also with this, I'm really excited to have this study guide because um, also whenever I would read the Gita, I would be thinking sometimes, uh, when Arjuna would ask questions, what text, you know, that did Krishna say to make Arjuna actually ask this question? Mm. You know, because like, people would tell me, oh, because Arjuna was thinking this, that, you know. And I'm thinking, well, what is it that Krishna said that made Arjuna think this or that? Mm -hmm. And um, also, <clears throat> the devotees have kind of confused me over the years because they described karma yoga and bhakti yoga as different. Karma Makes it says in here that Prabhupada, you know, he makes them, um, he, he says they're the same, and that Baladevijabhusha, you know, differentiates between them. So now I understand where that whole thing is coming from. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was confused before in other study groups. Good. Yeah. Yeah, they're the same, and yet they're not the same. Yeah. It depends on how you, it's like a Vaidurya gem. You know the Vaidurya? It's a gem. Krishna wears it sometimes. And depending on how you look, depending on the light, how the light is hitting it, you see it in different ways. 
So similarly with the Gita. Because um, Krishna in the Gita is reaching out to everybody. And sometimes he's reaching out to mystic yogis, sometimes to speculators, most of the time to fruitive workers, because that's mostly, most of us are karmis, or, or pursuing karma for our own you know, material benefits. There's one thing um, I thought, you know, about reading the Gita that was so powerful was that, you know, what you just said about how, like, Prabhupada explains that it's, you know, you have to go from the understanding of the basis that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But to me, I mean, when I first, even when I first read the Gita, I think that's why it was so powerful, because I was reading it in the context of, of I didn't really even associate it with Hinduism or anything like that. It was just this book that came to me. But in the context of the book, Krishna is God, you know, and that, that's what's beautiful about the Bhakti Vedanta Gita is that in the context of the book, Krishna is God, and you're reading it from that perspective of Krishna being God. And it, even if it's like, when I first read the Bhagavad Gita, before meeting the devotees, it was a philosophical thing more than a, uh, a devotional thing, but the philosophical point of it is that reading this book from the way it's supposed to be read is that Krishna is God, and this is the word of God in this context. So it's like... That's the way the Gita is totally meant to be understood, is the word of God, not, you know, some other thing. Has anyone ever read other? Oh, let's go over to that. Elijah, have you anything? I thought it was interesting. We talked about the, the five great preachers in India, Buddha, Shankaracharya, Ramanuja, Mara, and Lord Chaitanya, about how they are, like, supposedly contradicting on, like, the mm-hmm. surface level, mm-hmm. but how how we're talking about things with actual Vedanta logic is that it's the end of the Vedas, it's conclusionary. There's like conclusions to be drawn from all these around the, dancing around the facts. Yeah, read his sequence of teachers he lists. Buddha, Shankara, Ramanuja, Madhava, and Chaitanya. Okay, you know why he says it in that order? Yeah. Yeah. Buddha was like an atheist for the purpose of no, but mercy sequential, to the, it's like sequentially starts with Buddha, so yeah. he lent his mercy to the animals and atheists by saying no Vedas, and Shankara had an impersonal Veda, Ramanuja had a qualified Advaita, I think. Uh, yeah, it's called the Shishta Dvaita. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Madhava had the Bhakti uh, Dvaita, where it's different. And, yeah. and then Chaitanya coalesced it all onto proper yes. Dvaita and Advaita because he is God. Yeah, one and different. So um, it's the absolute truth seen from different angles. Can you imagine in Lord Buddha's time, Buddha is considered a Shaktivesh avatar, incarnation in the sense of being Shaktivesh, a living entity. But he has to preach atheism to get people to be a little religious. (laughs) Stop killing animals. So talk about time, place, and circumstance preaching. You get people to be a little godly, sometimes you have to say, there's no God, but just follow me. Be peaceful, be nonviolent. Ahimsa. Yeah, and then Shankara came to get people back into the Vedas, because they were, people were misusing the Vedas, so Buddha said, forget the Vedas, because they were just misusing it. And then Shankara gets people back into the Vedas, but it's too much of a stretch to get them back into the Vedas from voidism all the way to personalism. So then Shankara gets them back into the Vedas in an impersonal way. Shankara is considered an incarnation of Lord Shiva, correct? Yeah, there's a prediction like that uh, Shiva in the Shiva Purana. That in the Kali Yuga, I will come 
as a Brahmin, and I will bewilder, I will, I will, what did he say? I will juggle the Vedas. <coughs> you okay? Yeah, water okay. went down the wrong pipe. I don't have coronavirus. <laughs> and then Ramanuja, if you ever go to Sri Rangam, wow, Ramanuja is like so powerful. 1017 to 1137, 120 years. And he was there to throw down the gauntlet to the Shankarites, right? Because Shankara and I don't know about Buddha, but Shankara appeared in South India. No, he Buddha appeared in Gaya. Gaya, yeah, that's not South. I think that's Central or East. So, yeah, all these powerful uh, Vaishnavacharas like Ramanuja and Bhagavad, they're just there to completely reestablish proper Vedanta, personal Vedanta. The end, Bhakti Vedanta, the end of knowledge is devotion to the Supreme Person. And then Lord Chaitanya finally coming <laughs> to embrace it all and, and show how that there's a difference and a non-difference between the source of all and the energy. And I have a question. Yes. Did deity worship change at that time of Lord Chaitanya, or did who? deity worship? Deity did worship. the form? Did its form change at the time of Lord Chaitanya? Hmm. I don't know enough about deity worship's okay. history. Wasn't it Madhavendra Puri who he first established the Radha Krishna deity? Yeah. Yeah, Madhavendra Puri introduced yeah conjugal just before Mahaprabhu, and then Ishwar Puri was his disciple, and then. Mahaprabhu was Ishwar Puri's disciple. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I have a question. Yes. I'm curious about how <clears throat> the Ramanujacharya is uh, called it something, Dvaita. Vishishta Dvaita. Vishishta Dvaita. So, what, what is that, how does that separate from classical Dvaita aspect? Okay, yeah, that's a good So, uh, Ramanuja's focus was on the qualitative oneness. Like Shankara was saying, it's all one, you know, classic Mayavad. And Ramanuja said, yes, but there's a quantitative difference. So it's qualitative oneness, quantitative difference. That we're part of the Supreme, qualitatively the same, but parcel, we're individual, and we have, we're minute. So Prabhupada in his purports is always referring to Ramanuja uh, as being an authority, but he wasn't so much focused on the actual relationship with the Supreme? Ramanuja? Yeah. Yeah, naturally, because it's, there's two. But that was more Madhva. So Madhva, if you go to Udupi, in bas-relief, outside the temple, you see Madhva like this. So he's not flashing the victory sign, he's flashing the duality. He's saying, now there's two. There's Ishwara, the Supreme, and Jiva. And don't you forget it. So he's really on a crusade against Mayavad. And that's why actually the Mudvites, uh, if you go to Udupi, it's really uh, sweet because they like ISKCON. Because they know Prabhupada's pranam mantra is nirvishesha shunyavadi paschatya deshatarde. That Prabhupada's gone to the West to, to kick out impersonalism and voidism, which came from the East. Go to the West, which is uh, suffering from, from what's going on in the East and then bring it back to India. So he brought it back to India, personalism. Even in the West, it seems like, I mean, I've seen this, this is a very ridiculous, it's like, even where like Christianity is like personalism, a lot of times Christianity, like, 
they don't even um, like some Christians are personalists and some are impersonalists because there's no like clear defined there's no for up or up there's no specific like. succession so they speculate yeah right so many yeah brands so so Ron you said he was uh, preaching that the soul is qualitatively only supremely mm -hmm. qualitatively so he was preaching at Chinti well, he was not not as explicitly as Mahaprabhu. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand the difference the between difference. him and Mahaprabhu. Yeah. It's it's more Ramanuja's preaching was more a counter to Shankara. It okay. was a real counter. You know, historically that was the context. Mm -hmm. And then Madhva even more. He wanted to cleave it even more. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you ever go to Udupi. You might, if you go, if you happen to go at the time of their, their most sacred time, is every two years they have something called paryaya, which means a changing of the guard, a changing of the seva, because there's eight mats, madhva mats, temples, uh, ashrams, around the Udupi Krishna temple. There's Udupi Krishna temple, that's the temple that Madhvacharya founded. And then there's a street called Kar Street, and it's a circular street, and it has eight temples there, and, they, and every couple of years uh, the temples take turns in being responsible for the, the seva, you know, the, the worshipping the deity in the temple. And it's called Paryaya, kind of the changing of the guard, and they have a big festival, you know, and if any Hare Krishnas and Viscanners are in town, please come Prabhu, we want to, we want you to speak about uh, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you know. I mean, their, their founder is Jari, is Madhva. And they really love Prabhupada because of his also, you know, crusade against Prabhupada. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice. It's kind of like the Vrindavan of South India. And you did, you did just ask before we got on that, before I went, you said it, I think you asked if any of us had read any other Bhagavad Gita's. Mm -hmm. I did not. But it was like, even before I got the, the as it is, my brother had got... See, he read the Prabhupada book and made him want to go search out a Gita, but the one he found at the bookstore wasn't as it is, so he read that. And it was mostly, it was like, it was called a walkthrough for Westerners. Hmm. And, I mean, a lot of it was the same. It, the commentary was real thin. It was mostly just the translation, which was very close to Prabhupada's translation. So I really did enjoy that trans translation, just reading that, you know, Krishna's words. Was speculative though, and then he actually he got me the Bhagavad Gita as it is later on. Who See, was the uh, who was the translator? Yeah. I don't know. I, I have to. I can go find that book. I mean, I can even look it up sometime. Because if it was close to Prabhupada's Gita, I wouldn't be surprised. That's who he consulted to make his own. Because that's what people do. The Bhagavad Gita is a famous book, so let me write my commentary. <laughs> but you say it wasn't explicitly my about It was okay. Well, I, the, the, the commentary was very thin. It was mostly just the translation. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I can't really... I mean, after reading Prabhupada's Gita, yeah, I never really looked at that Gita again, but I did read it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the commentary, the, the translation was similar, but, but what had happened was my brother, you know, he was out on the bookstore one day and saw Bhakti Vedanta because he, he already read the Prabhupada book that got him into the Gita, so he bought two copies, one for me and one for him. Signed up for Prabhupada's Gita. But you had that one copy of the Bhagavad Gita translation or commentary that was totally like bogus. Oh yeah, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> Who was the translator? It was uh, Mahesh Yogi, Maharishi. Oh yeah. Yeah, so he had his uh, 
Transcendental, and you, you were a part of the, weren't you involved with Transcendental Meditation? Trademark TM? Were you involved with Transcendental no, Meditation? No, Okay, you gave me a look like I thought I Oh, no, I, I really don't hear it so much, especially across the room. Okay. <laughs> Maharishi Mahesh Yogi yeah, no, was the Beatles. No, I know it very well, but I never took Transcendental Meditation. Yeah. No. Someone else had, I thought it was a perception. So. Now, to um, the Maharishi's credit, yeah. and I've heard this from two different, I told Elijah, um, he translated the first six chapters from Maharishi. So then his disciples wanted more. So Maharishi said, well, for that you'll have to go to Bhakti Vedanta Swami. Oh, how nice. Yeah, I heard that too. And then the guy who came to Bhakti Vedanta Swami, he said, Maharishi has sent me and I've, I've come so far. And he said that you're the highest, most elevated spiritual master on the planet. And Prabhupada just laughed. It's just January Krishna. <laughs> yeah, we have quite a few TMers uh, in the movement. I want to just add that Rancher Prime, it could be his copy, that he's got in Dallas some of the introductions to the Gita Rancher Pranas. He is a devotee, right? Yeah. yeah. Rancher, yeah. Right. Then it's good. Yeah. So does anybody know? Okay. Yeah, I want to add about that book because it doesn't really have like a commentary like you'd expect when you like open it. There's like, he has his version of the translations from Sanskrit. Reading that uh, beneath every single verse was like a graphic, like a, like a chart of like this goes up when this happens, and this goes down when that happens. When transcendental meditation happens, anxiety and stress relieve itself, and things like this. It's always charts about what it could do to benefit your <laughs> physiology or something. Doesn't sound like Ranchor. <laughs> Does anybody know what? Because Prabhupada's Gita wasn't published until late '68. And yet, at 26nd Avenue, Prabhupada was giving Bhagavad Gita class. So, how was he doing that if, he, if nobody had books? I always had that question. From, from Dr. Radhakrishna's translation? Yes, Prabhupada used a classic, the most popular Mayavad Gita of the day. And Prabhupada said, it's okay, his translations are 90% accurate of the verses. But the purports are all rubbish. So, uh, it was... Um, it was Radhakrishna's Gita, and then, and that was the Gita that most of the Prabhupada's first followers had been reading, Radhakrishna's Gita. In fact, that's what I was studying at UConn. We had a book by, it was called Indian Philosophy, uh, Indian Religion and Philosophy by two authors, Radhakrishnan and Moore, who was some Western name, Moore. So it was all impersonal. So uh, Prabhupada didn't have any qualms though about using his Gita just for the verses, but then Prabhupada would speak his Bhaktivedanta purports, and that's what made it. That's what saved the day. But because they had been reading Radhakrishnan's Gita, they were filled with impersonal orientation, and so it was famous. I don't know if I've told you this before, but it was uh, a famous time at Twenty Six Second Avenue. Kirtananda used to tell the story. He was Keith, and Umapati was Wally, and Hayagriva was Howard. And they were the Mott Street boys. They live around the corner from 26 at a place called Mott Street in the East Village, Greenwich Village. So 
they were among Prabhupada's first listeners. So one fine day, Prabhupada's lecturing on Gita 934. So you know 934? Turn to 934. It's practically the mathematical center of the Gita. It's the last verse of the ninth chapter. <clears throat> and it's the most confidential knowledge chapter. So you can imagine that it's very uh, intimate knowledge. Yeah, famous verse. So we all, when you, when you find it, we'll all just sing it and then we'll all speak the translation. I'm pretty poor. Are you ready? Together. Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisances to me and worship me. Be completely absorbed in me. Surely it will come to me. So that me, me, the personal pronoun is there six times. Like, do you get it, guys? It's about me. <laughs> so Prabhupada's lecturing on it. And then Keith raises his hand. Kirtanada told us this at Nubrindavan years ago. Because they said, Prabhupada, Swamiji, was always talking about these Maya bodies. And we thought that maybe they were some group in India he had a grudge against. Who were this Mayabadis? Who was this clan? You know, like, was it a clan like the, the Hatfields and the McCoys? <laughs> and they just, he was part of one group, he didn't like them. Or... So anyway, uh, so, so Prabhupada takes questions. Any questions? So Keith raises his hand and says, Well, Swamiji, um, it says me here. You're saying me because they didn't have Prabhupada's Gita yet. But couldn't we also rather say that me could refer to the unborn, the unmanifested, the ineffable, the, uh, yeah, you get the idea, within all of us. Just pure Radha Krishna stuff. In other words, we're all God. And so, Kirtananda says, oh, Swami Prabhupada, just let me talk. Let me talk, and I, I was, and I was just, you know, uh, what's the word, pontificating. And couldn't we also rather say it's? He was just spouting Radha Krishna's Mayavad commentary, <laughs> and Prabhupada just let him speak. But Kirtananda said he noticed Prabhupada's lip trembling. Whenever Prabhupada really got something under Prabhupada's skin. He would, he would get really transcendentally furious, and his lower lip would start trembling. <laughs> and then, uh, then Kirtanada said, and then I just ran out of things to say. And then finally Swamiji said, Are you finished? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and then everybody saw something I'd never seen before. They saw Prabhupada's whole visage, his whole demeanor. It just transformed into like this, like Lord Nishringadev, like this lion, lion-like. Because Prabhupada is, you know, he's a Leo, <laughs> astrologically. And he just, he just started roaring like a lion. Krishna says, me, my. You know. 
mom, 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 mom. And you're saying something else. This is completely nonsense. And he's just go and Prabhupada's going on longer than he did. And it was like a tirade. And Kirtananda said, as, as Prabhupada spoke, I could feel I could feel myself getting smaller, <laughs> smaller, and I felt like I was disappearing into the floorboards at 26-second avenue. And that was the first time that the devotees saw transcendental anger. And it was the first time they realized that the mayavadis that Prabhupada was always speaking about were us. I have seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's Prabhupada. So. Okay, um, so it's almost time. That's, that's kind of my introduction to the whole thing. So the homework for next time is just read... Um, if you, let's look in the appendix again to the study guide. The outline, you know, the outline part. 367, and it's what, 372 in your book, I think. Oh no, that's the, the outline for us. 385. 389, okay. So you see how the outline is divided, uh, chapter 1 into A and B. So read that A. Read all the verses, read Prabhupada's verses, and purports to, uh, yeah, the half, half the chapter. It's a rather long section. It, it seems a lot to read, just know that as, as it goes on, it's going to break, like look at chapter 2, it's only the first 10 verses on A. But for this first um, chapter, yeah, just read, it's, it's about half the chapter. And then read, uh, read Borijan's uh, commentary, which weaves in Prabhupada and Vishwanath and Baladev. And then what I want you to do is there's going to be things you're not going to understand necessarily. So uh, I want everybody just to read and then just come with questions and we can discuss. Can I reiterate you want to read half of chapter one and then Barry John's commentary on half of chapter yeah, one? Yeah, that's it. It's kind of a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're only meeting once a week, so it's... So we're only reading half of the commentary for Barry John or the whole chapter one? Just, no, up, up through the first section, up through first 27, up through, yeah, the outline, according to his outline. Um, human nature is we put everything off and we try to cram it and then we forget it. So, you can, don't do that. Okay, yeah, because we're not, see, one advantage of not having ass assessments is that we're not studying for tests. Because that's what people do for school. They don't study to develop a love for lifelong learning. They're just studying to get a grade, right? To get a good job and to impress people and all this stuff. So we're just trying to develop a taste for the Gita. So, so for a week, that isn't too much. The purports aren't that long anyway in chapter one. Yeah, a lot of, some, the first one is, because Prabhupada's giving the, setting the whole scene. But the rest, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of just, versus naming soldiers. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. All right, we'll try to keep it up. Shiva Prabhupada. Jai. Jai.